Blog Talk Radio. with Alex Okurji. Hello, people! Yeah! Uh, okay, um, it's New Year's Eve, and uh, this is The Naked Talk with Alex Okurji. My name is Alex Okurji. I'm broadcasting live from Lagos, Nigeria. Yes! And um, it's almost New Year, actually. It's 10 p.m. right now, um, and I'm very excited. I've been looking forward to this very auspicious moment, and I call it auspicious because um you know, I've just been waiting to have, you know, an interesting conversation um, with my guest on the show. Um, you know, this year we're saying let's say no to um, grief and um, hell yeah to recovery. And um, it's it's strange that, you know, um, uh, I have um, an interesting guest on the show today. Um, first of all, The Naked Talk is the one show where you can um, feel free to be who you really are and um, express yourself and tell like it really is. Um, you you need not feel like you need to apologize for being who you are, or for having the feeling you know the feel um the feeling that you're having, or feeling the way that you're feeling. Um, it's the one place where we can feel like it's okay for us to just uh, be comfortable with our experiences and share all of the things that we have been through, just to um help and enable other people to become better people, so to speak. And um. Well, if you're listening to the Naked Talk right now, um, know that you can actually join the conversation. Um, I'm going to have um, an American author, life coach. Uh, she's also a clinical hypnotherapist, and um, she has, you know, a pretty amazing story to share with us. And yes, um, she she just, you know, her latest book, um, Dumb is Over, um, is going to be released in January, and you know, she's going to be talking about it and how she's able to come up with, you know, the contents of that um, um, of of the book, so to speak. Uh, if you're listening, know that you can join us on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, just uh, tweet at Alex Okurji, um, hashtag The Naked Talk, and of course your conversation will be part of the show. Um, you can also join the chat room, and we we schedule the chat room. So that chat room is live right now. You have to follow the channel there. So follow and get in the chat room, and um, let's talk. You know, you can talk to me or Nina. Um, hello, is Nina? Nina is supposed to be right here. But hello, are you there? Hello. Hello, Nina. Hi, Alex. Hi, can I'm you here. Okay. Okay, I fine. You. you know, I was just <laughs> okay. Um, well, we're live, and first of all, I just wanted to say thank you for being on the show. Um, I know how you know how this we've been go, going back and forth, and just trying to communicate and get you on the show to share 
your amazing experience. Um, well, uh, for those who are listening, first of all, let me let you know a little bit about my guest, Nina. Um, she's a life coach, equipment therapist, suicide profession, acting author, Oregon, USA. Um, she's also written three books, um, one of, uh, three books of poetry, one really workbook, and her fifth book, One of the Stum is from Greetings to Healing. The Suicide of My Daughter was published in February 2015. And um, Nina has two degrees in psychology and a master of mental health counseling education. And, um, well, Nina, I, I know I'm saying a lot of things about, you know, but like I said, this show is pretty unscripted. And um, so, you know, <laughs> we're just uh, having a conversation. First of all, I want to talk about your book. I know you have a book that's supposed to be published um, or, sorry, released in released next year. And yes. um, this book is very mm-hmm. personal. It's very personal to you. Yes. The content of this book is very personal to you, right? Yes. Hello. Very. Are you there? Yes. Okay. Can you hear um, me? Yes. Yes, I can. I can hear you. Um, but okay. can we can we can we talk a li- can we can we talk a little bit first of all? Can we talk a little bit about um, this book? You know, because I've been trying to let people know that it's some confessional autobiography of um, a very tragic experience that you had recently. Um, But for a lot of my listeners, a lot of people may not really know exactly what happened. Um, So I'm trying I know that you're, you lost a daughter last year, right? Uh, Actually in 2013. So um, two years, almost two years now. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, but um, would you would um, would you love to share? I mean, I'm I'm curious because I'm thinking, you know, what exactly happened? How did it happen? You know, I, I'm just wanting to get into your mind and just understand how you mm-hmm. felt, you know, and the experience, the journey through all of that. You know, I mean, first of all, how did it happen? Why why did it happen? Right, Alex. Well, I I just want to say uh, first, thank you. What a privilege it is to be here with you today and. Um, you know, Happy New Year, Nigeria from the United States. Um, your friends are wishing you a Happy New Year. Um, but I'll tell you a little bit about the book I, I've written recently. Um, it actually um, is publishing in February of 2015, and, you know, you can buy it online. But uh, even though I'd worked in mental health care for years as a life coach and working in psychiatric hospitals, Um, Nothing really prepared me for the suicide of my 15-year-old daughter. Um, What happened, Alex, was five days before her death, she stopped taking her medication. She was on an antidepressant. And she'd been depressed for a long time. She'd been depressed for four years. And without telling anybody, she went off her medication because she did not want to gain weight. Um, she was very, because she was, you know, in high school, and as you know, girls are very weight conscious, especially here in the United States. So um, she went off her medication and committed suicide in the next room while I was sleeping. So Once the Storm is Over is an autobiography. It's my story about, you know, how this came to be and then learning really to forgive myself and really reclaim my life and move forward out of tragedy. Um, okay. Okay. I, I, first of all, I'm really sorry because I know that it must be very, um, a little painful, you know, just trying to recap, you know, this experience and share it with everyone, you know, listening right now. Um, but, uh, 
So she was on antidepressants and then she stopped taking her medication. And then, so you were home when it happened. You were home, but you were asleep, right? Yes. Yes, that's right. Okay. Okay. So, um, let, I, here's why. Here's here's one of the things. Here's where I'm. You know. Here's where a lot of people are probably curious and um, can mm-hmm. connect or connect with you, um, because I mm-hmm. know that I can imagine a journey through that. First of all, having to find your own child, you know, at home, your home, and you know, you feel like you're supposed to be protecting this child or be aware of something happening, and then something tragic like that, you know, like that. Sorry, happens. Mm-hmm. You know, right under your own nose. That must you. You yeah. must feel some form of guilt, like I could have known or I could have done something or I could have, you know, there must have been some sign, you know. Uh, but let me, because here's what I feel. I feel like, you know, where a lot of people can connect. I mean, you don't have to really have lost a child to be able to understand that, you know, there's mm-hmm. understand pain or understand the grief that someone's going through. Now, I know that you have a lot of wealth of knowledge, uh, you know, to share with us, you know, wisdom, because you've been through, I want to, I want to, here's what I want to know, the journey from finding her mm-hmm. to having to deal with the pain of having, you know, knowing that she's not going to come back. And how yeah. did, you know, your family deal with that? Because here in Nigeria, for example, it's a taboo, really. Um, we don't talk much about it. You know, we hear a couple of times some people, you know, find, you know, little ways, you know, they take poison or hang themselves. Or they do, you know, just they get tired of their frustrations of the things that they're going through and they end their life. But their families never talk about it. Because it's mm-hmm. so to speak, you're not, you know, it's it's not seen. They don't want to, they don't want the public or people to know that, you know, um, the per, you know, the person they lost actually took their own lives, you know. But so in yeah. in in the U.S., you know, I hear it's you know it's a common it's 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 happening you know a lot. Um, how how did you go through? I, I want to tap into how you felt, you know, from that, you know, from the first from the first moment when you saw her, found her you know, mm-hmm. to just that journey, you know, that. Well, yeah, Alex, I mean, um, <laughs> you know, a child is kind of like part of you, you know, and her death for me yeah. was like um, maybe having uh, the best way to describe that kind of pain or the depth of that pain. Uh, losing a child in this way for a parent is, is something like being amputated, you know, an arm being amputated or a leg being amputated. I mean, it was like part of me died. And the year that I grieved after her death was the toughest year of my life. Um, it taught me a lot about myself. It, it showed me my humanity. It showed me my frailties. Um, it showed me my weaknesses as a parent and as a person. But it it also showed me that I found out that I was more resilient than I thought. And while I still still have a few residual post-traumatic symptoms, you know, PTSD, you've heard about that post-traumatic stress disorder, that often happens to people who um, have had traumas happen to them, Um, and and certainly to suicide survivors. But although I have, you know, um, some small at this point, post-traumatic symptoms. I've also experienced what's known as post-traumatic growth. Um, This is a term in psychology, and I just want to explain it a little bit. I I actually like, when I think about this term, I think about it more as post-traumatic joy because I've really gained a renewed enthusiasm enthusiasm and appreciation for life. And now I live every day as if it might be my last. 
and I'm looking at life this way, and it really has helped me to be more positive and more appreciative of every day that I have. Hello, Nina. Hi. Hi. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> well, I guess like we said, this is a, it's a pretty auspicious show, and um, you know yeah. how it is the New Year. I think the ne- the network. I don't know what happened. I think we just went, but you know, like we said, it's yeah. unfiltered. It's unscripted. So anything can happen, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm here. Yeah. If you want to carry on, we can do it here. I've, I'm on my uh, landline. Oh, oh, oh. I'd be happy to. No, we're no, we're still we're still on. We're still live at the air. So I mean, everybody oh, wonderful. Can hear you. Okay, great, <laughs> wonderful. No, Let's just keep live. rolling. Uh, Let's keep rolling. Exactly, because um, it's you know the networks are crazy because it's New Year and you know everyone's trying to call their loved one and you know so it's uh you know but it's so but let's still talk about it. We're still saying no to grief. And hell yeah, yeah. recovery. If you're just tuning in to listen to the show, I'm speaking with uh, I'm speaking with um, Nina Bingham. She's an author, life coach, um, clinical hypnotherapist, and um, she has a new book out um, out um, in February 2015. Um, once the storm is over, and she's been sharing, you know, a little bit of wisdom with us, um, telling us, you know, um, about her experience and. Um, yeah, she's telling us about our experience. I think there's someone actually on the line that wants to so I think we have a call on the line. Uh, let's just see. Let's see. Hello? 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 Can you Hi. hear me? Hello? Yes, I can. You're live on Hello. Talk with Alex. Yes, you can. My name is Hi. And Gemma. How are you doing, Alex? Oh, John and Gemma. Hi. <laughs> okay. Um... Uh, your life of my show. I don't know if you're trying to contribute to this, but uh, that's my friend John and Gemma. John and Gemma is an actor, is a director. Hello, Nina. Nina, are you there? I'm here. Hello. Hi, John. Okay, fine. Oh, okay, Nina, how are you? Um, just... <laughs> Wonderful. I'm, I'm glad we're connecting. Okay, fine. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, let let me say something quickly uh, before the line goes off again. Um, uh, Alex, first of all, you did a pretty good job um, getting people to talk about their experiences and all of that. And I like the part when Nina said, um, I think it's a good thing you, you, you termed it your post-traumatic joy or something. I think I like that part. Instead of making it a sad experience, you're turning something that happened into a good thing, you know, like sharing it and moving on and all of that. So I think I like that. I just want to say uh, good thing. You know, congratulations. Uh, moving on. Can you hear me? Thank you, John. Yeah, I, yes. I can. And, um, uh, you know, I think when tragedy comes into your life, um, you've got a choice. You can either withdraw, you know, from life, or you can work through it. Um, uh, you know, you, you can't run from tragedy, but you certainly can work through it. And I, I think that's what I've just tried to do, and then, you know, use it so that other people can learn and grow from it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Anyways, I got to run. Um, Alex, uh I, I spoke to you about something. You might want to discuss that with Nina later. I want to see if I can do a 15-minute, 30-minute shot on our experiences and in a docudrama of some sort. Maybe we can talk about that later. But meanwhile, 
carry on with the show. I'm still listening. Nina, thank you for sharing your experience, and um, have a lovely new year. Well, thank you, John. I'll look forward to talking to you. You have a wonderful new year, too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, John. Alex, over to you. Okay, thank you, John, for calling into the show. Um, thank you for uh, so Nina. We we're talking. That was John. Um, John and Jama. He's a Nigerian actor and uh, film director. I think I probably you know ch- chatted a little bit about you, but we'll probably talk about that you know sometime later in the show. Um, but back to what you were saying, you know, before the networks went crazy, uh, you you were sharing about talking about you know the post traumatic uh, um, stress disorder. We actually talk about the joy. I don't know if a lot of if a couple of people caught it, but um, but here's 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 um what would you say i mean i mean you have a number of i know you have a bit of nuggets to share for example um mm-hmm. if you were to if someone want, was to ask you i mean who uh, there are a number of people i know like i was talking to a friend of mine two days ago and um i asked after his son he had a little he had a little boy who's just a year younger than my own son and i asked and he said he lost his son his son died and I was shocked, you know, but uh, he was ill. Now, he didn't, you know, he didn't commit suicide or anything, but I can imagine that he's also feeling just the same amount of pain, maybe a little different, probably different from your pain, but, you know, feeling just as much pain as any parents would feel, you know, losing their child, whether it's to sickness or death or suicide or whatever it is. So how do you, how do we tap into the emotion? emotions that we're feeling, the pain and the grief that we're feeling to start our journey towards recovery. Yeah. Well, that's a wonderful uh, wonderful question, Alex, and I'm sorry to hear about your friend who lost his son. Um, You know, I think that we all suffer in life. I think part of life is suffering, um, just just as part of life is joy and passion and all the good stuff. But I do think that... um, you know, a lot of life is suffering, and it really counts. It really matters how we deal with suffering, whether we become a more negative person or we allow the suffering that comes into our lives to forge us and make us into um, an instrument that can be sort of used by the divine, if you will, or the universe for good. And I think it really matters what we do with our pain. And so, you know, my recommendation, the thing that helped me the most, Alex, is just externalizing my pain, not keeping it all to myself, you know, really talking it out with the support of supportive friends and, and family members um, who, of course, also were impacted by her death. Um, and then, you know, for me, I felt it was really important to see someone professionally, so I went to a psychologist and I had some sessions with him. And he really helped me to understand that it it wasn't my fault, that, you know, I can't forever go on blaming myself, but that to get through that blame and guilt and shame, shame that I was feeling, mm. Um, just to start writing about my feelings and and journaling my feelings and my thoughts. And it was amazing how cathartic uh, writing can be, you know, because as you're writing, it's like impossible to say that you're not feeling these things when they're coming out of your pen on paper. So writing can be very healing. And so I just began to write. This, This book was kind of unintentional. I didn't really you know, say to myself, this is going to be a book. I just started writing in my journal. 
And I continued to write. And the more I wrote, the better I felt. You know, I noticed. I thought, wow, you know, this is really starting to help me. Just kind of getting the poison out of my system. And so the writing was was probably the number one factor that helped me to put everything into perspective. Um, So I guess if I have any advice for people who are grieving or people who have lost someone or people who, you know, their lives have been touched somehow by tragedy is, you know, you're not an island. You don't have to do it alone. You know, and and even when it's when there's a lot of stigma, even when it's um, taboo in the culture to talk about it, you know, it's important that you can find people you can trust and talk with them. So I think that was the largest healing factor is just getting it out. I, I can actually I can relate with that a lot. You know, um, uh, why do I say that? Because I mean, for me, writing as well has been my own form of release, so to speak. Because um, I think I remember saying something about uh, me going through separation and divorce, and when I started, you know, writing my blog, um, it was really just like you know, just like you said, it was it wasn't supposed to be anything serious. It was just me, you know, just wanting to vent and have somewhere to just express all of the things that I was feeling and the pain and, you know, and my thoughts and just like, okay, you know, maybe I need to find a way to just um, communicate all of these things that are, you know, just flowing in my head. And Mm -hmm. before I knew, you know, people just could relate with it. Either they were actually going through the same thing or they knew someone going through the same thing or, you know, so it, it pretty much became almost like a vision. And then the blog started and then I'm writing the book and then, you know, and somehow it helped me to heal as well because you know it's some sort even though it's not the loss of I mean it's still lost because you had someone who was in your life and the person's mm-hmm. no longer there for whatever mm-hmm. reason and then you know you you'd have to go through that feeling so yes I can relate with you know the point that you shared right now that you know they must you know find a way to talk to someone and okay can we we're going to take a quick commercial break and uh we'll be back on the show don't go anywhere just uh stay there um okay uh we'll do You're listening to the Naked Talk with Alex Okorji. You're listening to the Naked Talk. It's so uncensored. She keeps it real. She keeps it straight. She tells it like it is no matter who's afraid to bear. (laughs) You're listening to the Naked Talk with Alex Okorji. www.alexokorji.net to reserve your copy and win two VIP tickets to the book tour and match. Uh, 
we're back. Uh, yes, you're still listening to the Naked Talk with Alec Rogie. And uh, just before I went on the, um, on the break, I do have, I still have my guest on the show, Nina Bingham. She's been an amazing. She, you know, she's been so amazing. Sorry, um, sharing lots, um, lots of her her wisdom and her experience with us. I mean, if you're just tuning in, uh, we're talking, we're saying no to grief, failure to recovery. It's you know, it's almost 2015 here, and we just want to, you know. You know, say goodbye to all the pain that came, you know, with the past year, you know, 2014. Okay, whatever happened, you know, whatever, you know, painful, tragic um, loss or suffering or pain or guilt, whatever that you feel, let's just say no to grief and let's just find a way to, you know, recover, reclaim back our lives, you know. And Nina has been trying to share with us how she was able to start that journey, you know, after her, the tragic loss of, her, you know, her daughter who committed suicide. And, you know, she talked about it. She talked a bit about the book. Um, well, like I said, you can still be part of the show. Um, if you're listening, you can tweet um, at the Naked Talk, tweet at Alex Okurji, sorry, you tweet at Alex Okurji and hashtag the Naked Talk, you know, or you can call into the show to Speak with me, you know, call into the show to speak with me or Nina or if you have any questions for her. Um, I'm sure she'll be willing to, you know, share some of her um, her thoughts and her experience and her wisdom. Um, numbers to call in, plus one, two, one, five, three, eight, three, three, seven, six, six, at plus one if you're calling in from outside the U.S. of A. Um, it's two, one, five, three, eight, three, three, seven, six, six. Um, Nina, are you still there? Hello? Hi, Alex. I'm Hello? here. Hi, Alex. Okay, you're I'm still here. here. Okay. Okay, so we still have quite a bit of time, you know, to talk. There's so much to talk about. Um, I wanted to, um, I was reading some of the reviews of um, the book. You know, I read quite a bit of, you know, review, and it was obvious that, you know, you're pretty very sincere and honest. You shared quite a lot of detail, you know, personal, you know, quite a lot of personal stuff in the book. What, um, what do we, what do we get to see? What do we get to read? You know, I mean, are there things, is it just stuff connected to, heard that and your grief or just other things because I'm asking um Bjorn she you said she was clinically diagnosed for chronic depression right hello yes I did. yes uh-huh okay but but um what I mean what was what was the cost of the depression that she was feeling I mean what what was she dealing with having to deal with and I say this because a lot of people have teenage daughters or teenage kids who probably don't even know or understand what's going on in their lives, who never even, you know, for example, I I remember when I was a teenager, I mean, I used to have, like, mood swings, just random mood swings, you know. Um, it wasn't anything serious. But I also do know that there are quite a number of people or family friends, friends of, you know, um, children of, you know, family, you know, friends of my parents, who at the time used to act very strange, you know, or had, you know, switch moods and, you know, there there was, you know, almost like they had uh, chronic, you know, mood swings and all of that. And they were feeling, they had their frustrations. They had their, you know, and now we're talking about a teenager here. Um, first of all, how do you spot, how do you know know that your 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 child is feeling depressed? How do you know when someone is, you know, going through any form of depression at all? How do you identify that? Right, Alex, that's a great question. Um, 
You know, I, um, I'll, I'll go over the risk factors and the warning signs so that, um, you know, if you have a teen or you have a young person um, in your life, that you can kind of watch out for those things. Because, you know, just as you shared, most teenagers have uh, run a gamut of emotions. They can be very emotional or, you know, they can also keep a lot of things real close to the chest and not want to share with, with mom or dad or mom and dad. So um, I, I spent a lot of time actually online corresponding with suicidal and depressed teens. So I'm actually talking directly to them. And I just want to share an example. There's a teen boy who writes me regularly, and especially whenever he's having um, suicidal thoughts. And just recently he asked me, you know, Nina, how is it that you go on now that your daughter's gone? How do you find the strength to go on after something like this? And this is what I told him, Alex. I said, you know, I go on for people like you. And I explained that when my daughter committed suicide, I had to find a reason to keep going. I mean, everybody, sure. that's, that's what we keep going in life for. Usually we have something that keeps us going. It might be our child or, or our career or a dream that we have that keeps mm-hmm. us going. Um, so now I go on for all the parents who've ever lost a child to suicide and for every teen and college student who feels depressed and hopeless and forsaken and lied to and misunderstood. Um, Mm. You know, like maybe if I reach out to them, maybe I can take some of that pain away. So maybe teens will stop dying the way my daughter died. It's a horrible death, you know, and parents will stop having to cry beside their child's grave. And so I told my teenage friend that underneath all the fear and mistaken identity of each human being lies a seed of greatness and for some of us that seed won't really blossom until that seed gets busted and the broken seed decides to say i'm going to bloom despite the pain and so i told Mm -hmm. him that i go on so that he will go on and there are thousands of teens (laughs) in anonymous online chat rooms and forums right now, just like this boy who are contemplating suicide. And so I'm just trying to do my part to bring a message of hope. That, And the message is for these kids that life can and usually does get better. You know, as you age, mm-hmm. things get easier. The teenage years are the hardest years developmentally. Um, they're the rockiest years. You know, and so if you know of a teen or you have a young person in your life that's having a difficult time, um, you know, who's moody or maybe they act withdrawn and depressed or they're angry or they're acting out, you know, the thing to do is to really reach out to them and let them know that it gets better. It does get better, that life is not always going to be, you know, such a hassle, that life is, that, that at some point, they're going to blossom and they're going to get out of the situation and um, to give them a little hope. You know, I think it's important that we communicate that to our young people. Okay. Um, you know, thank you for that because I, you, and you're right, you know, because I, I have younger ones and I have, I have one particular sister who's pretty much, you know, her mood keeps swinging back and forth. And sometimes I worry that, you know, I don't know what's going on in her head. And, you know, I just hope that she's not thinking, you know, having any weird societal 
thoughts or anything like that. But let me ask you this, because, you know, we've been talking about you for a little while. I know you do. You have two other kids, right? You have two other kids who are, who are older siblings to um, to the one you lost, right? Yes. Hello, can you hear me? Okay. How how are they dealing with I mean, how how do they respond? How are they dealing with it? I mean, are they able to share or be open or communicate just what they're feeling? Because I'm, I'm trying, you know, because now I see as a mother, you have to deal with your own emotions, right? But then you also have to deal with these other two people, you know, these other two kids who are also, right. you know, one way or another, your responsibility or you, you know, you have to also um, validate or... Um, um, to find the, you know, I, I'm just trying to find out how they are also dealing with the, you know, the loss of their own sister, and right. how you've been able to manage all of those emotions together. That's yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, good question. Um, I think they're both still struggling with it. Honestly, uh, they have a hard time talking about it with me. Um, they have a hard time. You know, uh, it was interesting. Recently, um, my son came up here to visit. He lives um, in a different state a long ways away from me. But he comes up, you know, several times a year. And, and um, we went out to lunch. And, and the strangest thing happened because there was a girl who, you know, was the hostess. And she was seating us for lunch. And I'll be darned if she couldn't have been my daughter Mariah's double. I mean, she looked like she could have been her twin, Alex. It it kind of took my breath away. It was like seeing my daughter again. And my son was with me. And he had to excuse himself and go to the bathroom and just kind of gather himself because it was just so, it was, you know, like seeing her back from, from the grave. Um, you know, so, I, and, and then, you know, when he finally made his way back to the table, it was like he just changed the subject. He just couldn't, you know, without kind of, you know, losing it at the table, you know. And so I, I think for siblings it's interesting because we don't often think about the siblings in a in a suicide situation. Um but are they impacted? Absolutely they're impacted. And usually we just think of the parents, you know, we don't stop to think about how um a, a tragedy of this magnitude has impacted uh, the siblings and how it impacts, you know, the greater family, like the grandparents and the friends and the boyfriends and girlfriends that are left behind. But I think everybody is is profoundly changed by um, a tragedy like this. Talk about, you know, um, something interesting. I, you know, I, I went to your blog, you know, because I went to Living Enlightened, Living Enlightened and um, I read a particular um, post, an article that you wrote in your blog that actually caught my attention. And it was something about the monster, the, you know, the monster under my bed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, you were something about the monster in my bed. And just there was something there when you said you, you wrote something about, you know, um, you know, the recipe, you know, the recipe for dealing with fear is not you know, strength, but, you know, being real, I mean, the recipe for tackling fear or dealing with your fear is not strength, but, you know, just um, you being real. And reading it, I could connect with it because you were, I think whatever the experience probably opened you up to just be honest with yourself and express all the things probably you had been taken for granted or just never really wanted to address right because i was trying to you know relate that particular article i mean what 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 formed that particular article you know 
Well, I think that we're. Uh, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think we're our we're our own worst enemy most of the time. You know, it's like it's usually yeah. not the circumstances that stops us from doing anything in life. It's it's ourselves. It's our own fear. It's our own guilt. You know, it's our own playing small because we don't feel good enough in life. Um, mm-hmm. And so certainly my daughter's suicide, not being able to save my own daughter when I was mm-hmm. trained to save people um, mm-hmm. who are depressed and suicidal. Mm-hmm. Of course, that, that shook me to my core. And, you know, and it's really made me look at the fact that I don't have to be perfect, you know, I don't, but, and at the same time, I don't have to blame myself for the choice she made. But it certainly did um, strip away every, um, it kind of stripped away every defense that I had built up, Alex, so that I became Mm -hmm. much more of a vulnerable person, more um, forthright about my feelings, and Mm -hmm. able to be more honest and truthful today than than ever before. Okay. Okay. Let's um here's what we're gonna do. If you're just if you're if you're just tuning into the show, uh, this is still the Naked Talk with Alex Gorgi. And of course we have um our amazing guest, Nina Bing, and she's been awesome, you know, just talking about her experience, you know, her losing her daughter, her teenage daughter to the cold hands of suicide and and her book. You know, I mean, we're gonna talk about the book a whole lot more. Um but uh, like I said, if you wanna join in the conversation, feel free. It's open, it's unfiltered, it's scripted. Um we'd like to share I'm sure she's here, you know, she's ready to talk to you. So pick up your phones and call in. It's you can call two one five three eight three three seven six six. Um two one five three eight three three seven six six. Um make sure you add plus one. Um, if you're calling out of the United States. Um, okay, let's take a quick commercial break and we'll be back. Uh... Are you a registered member of Alex's blog community, ABC? Then what are you waiting for? Join now to receive updates and all activities on Alexander and her naked thoughts at www.alexsokoruji.net to contribute, interact with other interesting ABC users, and win special giveaways. Okay, you're still listening to the Make It Talk with Alex Okoji. Uh We're back, and uh, this is still the show where we're saying no to grief and hell yes to recovery. Yes, we want to get into 2015, um, just starting a new life, you know, and just, you know, 
saying goodbye to the pain in our lives and just finding a way to just um, reclaim it and be who we really should be and just learning from our experiences and, you know, just growing and finding some joy and all of that pain. Um, Nina, you're still there. Hello, are you still there? On the, are you still on the show? Hello? Are you there? Hi, Alex. I'm still here. Hello, Nina. Okay, you're still here. Okay, fine. Um, so um, I, I was going to say this. Um, I, I remember when we were having our pre-show conversation yesterday, and I, I remember sharing with you and saying something about me having felt my own some form of depression, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I did say that I, you know, I'd experienced a point in my life where I had this drastic change. You know, I'd gone from just being this single, budding, hot, you know, newbie actress someone who just got married and had a child almost immediately and then moved cities and I was somewhere I didn't know anybody and I was just basically trying to I felt like a stranger because I didn't have my support system I had a child I didn't know what to do and I'd had my um, baby through um, a cesarean so I was feeling I had I was going through a physical pain I was trying to recuperate you know just get back my body but a lot had changed and I almost felt like I was sinking, you know, emotionally, because I had all of this pent-up emotion, and I didn't know how I was going to go back to being this hot um, item or sex symbol, you know, that, you know, all, you know, everyone, you know, wanted to see on their screen now, but I remember when I was talking to you, and I said something about having felt some form of depression, and you did say to me that, um, you know, there are two, you know, there's just a regular form of depression, you know, the normal minor form of depression that other people go through. And then there's the chronic, you know, clinical form of depression, something like that. I'm not really, I, I'm not sure if I'm, but how do you detect the difference? I mean, how do you detect if this is something just temporary or this is something serious that, you know, um, might need some sort of attention? How can you tell the difference? Right. Well, um, you know, in your case, you were sharing that um, you'd moved and you'd lost a lot of your support and, you know, might have been feeling a little bit isolated and, um, uh, you know, circumstances had changed in your life. And I think I would call that more circumstantial or more situational depression. So it's really the environment then that's causing, you know, the change in your environment that's causing you to be down, you know, to feel blue, to have... um, feelings of a little hopelessness or helplessness, okay, in the face of these challenges. But that's really different from uh, what we call clinical Mm. depression or major depression. And uh, that's what my my daughter had. And so um, the only way to treat clinical depression, which is um, a brain problem, it's actually a medical problem, it's a neurological brain problem, is a medicine. So um, for folks who can still get up out of bed, Alex, and go to work and, you know, are still interested in their daily activities and still socializing with people and still talking with their family members, um, you know, they, they're they going to, we all go through periods in our life where the environment may, you know, not be, be as positive as we'd like it to be. And then, you know, we're going to feel, I think part of being human is feel, feeling down, feeling some depression. I think that's very normal. Um, but it becomes a sort of that line, you know, it becomes abnormal when the person is so depressed that they can't get out of bed anymore. You know, they can't, um, they can't get to their job. They can't go to school. Um, they're not interested in, 
any of the activities that they had before. They don't want to talk to their friends. They're withdrawing, um, basically becoming a hermit, you know, uh, completely withdrawing into their own world. And when you see those things happening, then you know that, that that's more severe depression, and it actually could be a, a physical problem with the brain. Okay. Uh, let me ask you this. Um, do you think, like, like uh, are depressed people dangerous to other people? Let me ask you, do you feel like they cause, not only, like, do you feel like they cause danger to other people um, other than themselves? Like, you know, do you see them have, you know, um, harming the people around them? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I, I want to talk about the stigma, around mental illness because um, I think the media portrays, especially movies and and TV shows, portray people with with mental illness or or even in the news. We hear about people, you know, um, uh, that have done a school shooting or something like this. And then, you know, we find that they were later on diagnosed with a mental illness. And so the media, I think, portrays um, mental illness in such a way that – we tend to think that that only mentally ill people are violent people. And so I really believe that's part of that's misinformation and I think that's that's part of the stigma around mental illness and you know people still think it's shameful if they have a mental illness or that it reflects their failure as a a parent if their child has a mental illness. But neuroscientists say that mental illness is a brain problem which is a medical problem um and it's not a weakness it's it's not a personality problem uh because people who you know people begin to connect crimes like school shootings with mental illness because of the media and tend to think then that all crimes are committed due to mental illness but the facts are that the majority of depressed or bipolar people do not commit crimes um however the association between mental illness and suicide um, isn't emphasized enough. Ninety um, percent of people who commit suicide were diagnosed with depression or another mental disorder. Okay. Oh wow. Um, uh, uh, let me let me let me let me let me let me say this. Okay. So. In other words, we're saying that you know they're not harmful. To, they're not as harmful to other people as they are to themselves. Now, you know, it wasn't. It was it's not too long ago that we had you know famous actor, um, you know, Robin Williams, you know, basically committed suicide. You know, yes. and then you know we had that he was you know first what it was shocking to a lot of people to even find out that he was mentally depression. Yeah. Yeah, because we always used to see him as someone who was pretty much usually happy or, you know, play quite a lot of happy characters, you know. And I'm thinking, do you, are you able to figure out, you know, the last thing, you know, you know, the last thing they're probably thinking before they take their own lives? Like, are you, do you think, do you think like you can actually just, um, do you think you get, you have an idea of what your daughter could have been thinking, you know, just that last moment before she decided, you know, she was just, she wanted to end all of this. Do you have any idea? Do you feel like you're able to figure that out? Yeah, I have a good idea because um, she left a note, and most people who who take their own lives do leave a note. Um, You know, it's really hard on the suicide survivors 
the you know the family and friends when they don't leave a note um but in this case she did and what she just expressed was was what i already knew and that was um her father who she was very close to um they had a very wonderful relationship he died um 4 years uh prior uh, of ALS or what's known as Lou Gehrig's disease um and it's a very difficult death to watch and so she had to watch him actually and his disease progress really fast so she was by his side you know watching this horrible death and you know they were extremely close um had this incredible father daughter relationship and she lost him and it was like after that she never really um pulled out of the grief for her father it was just like she went into a nosedive and um you know even though we got got her to counseling um and eventually got her on antidepressants her note said that the reason she decided to take her own life was because she just couldn't stand to be away from her father anymore and she really believed she truly believed in uh life after death and and she believed she would see him um and that's what she said in her note and that she was tired of this life that she just couldn't go on with the severe unrelenting depression that she had but you know i think the recent death i want to rewind to something you said alex the recent death of robin Mm. williams really does show us that even people like celebrities who seem to have everything are vulnerable Mm. to suicide and we're seeing celebrities begin to come out of the mental illness closet and tell their stories about their struggles with depression and other mental illnesses um it's a huge problem here in the United States. 26% of Americans live with a mental disorder. That's more than one out of every four people you meet here. So, um, wow. you know, it's really wonderful. I think it's a really good thing to have people who are celebrities beginning to come out and, and tell their stories, you know, um, Recently, a, a comedian named Wayne Brady, who's very popular here, revealed that he'd yeah. had a breakdown and he suffers from depression. So I believe that it's just the tip of the iceberg. I think it's really good um, because it reduces the stigma and the misunderstandings um, that's been attached to mental illness. And it, and it makes it easier for the rest of us to tell the truth and uh, come out of our own closets. Okay, um, I was I was good, you know, because I I, I know that you know um, we you also I mean you want to think of you know her and I mean you want to leave you want to think of her your know, her memory you know basically you want to think of her in a positive light you know you don't want to have to think um, you know but I was just feeling you know, while you were saying you know you know really re, um, reenacted while you were saying talking about the notes that she left you right. All I kept thinking was just a little bit of jealousy. Not, not. I'm saying this, you know. I'm thinking, okay. Did you feel? I'm just trying to imagine, like, okay, you know, she. I know she did have a very close relationship with her father, and you're yeah. there. You're her mother, and yeah. you're alive, you know. And mm-hmm. you know, she wanted. You know, you're alive and you're there. And this, you know, her father who's no longer there, but who she really dearly loved. But then she rather, you know, wanted to be with him. You know, because yeah. I, I'm from the outside, I'm thinking like, you know, I felt just a little bit of jealous. Like, you know, why would you want to be with someone who's not there? And so, you know, so right. I, I, I'm, tr- I was just trying to tap into. Did you ever feel? Did you feel something like that, or you just thought, you know, you know, you understood? 
Do you feel any bummer? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anger Alex, yeah, or... yeah. I, you're very compassionate. You're, you're right on target. I, I felt, um, I felt like a jilted lover. I, I felt, uh, in fact, I talk about this in the book. Um, I, I felt abandoned. Uh, I felt forsaken. Um, you know, and it was almost like, um, you know, her leaving me for another lover. I mean, it's really kind of that same feeling of not being good enough, that what I offered was somehow not good enough. But, you know, what, what I, I've come to understand was it wasn't personal. You know, it wasn't that I wasn't mm. a good parent or her siblings weren't good enough exactly. or, you know, or her friends who loved her weren't good enough or her teachers who cared and reached out weren't good enough. It was that the, the depressive mind, that, you know, when you mm. have severe depression, you can't, it's like the brain can't let any light in. It's almost like being in a closet with a monster. It's like mm. you just you just can't get out of the closet, and it's like those positive thoughts, you know, the love that we normally feel from from our families and our friends, um, the admiration we feel, um, the self esteem that we have normally, all of that when when we're severely depressed goes away, and we become hopeless and we become helpless, and so it's it's not you know it wasn't that I wasn't good enough, it, it was that her depressed mind found a reason to follow through with the suicidal thoughts she was having. Okay. Now let me ask, okay, and I understand that, you know, like I said, you know, looking from the outside, because you know her better, and obviously there must have been quite like your, um, all sorts of emotions. Now let let me talk about the book for 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 a little bit. You know, once the storm is over, um, why that why that particular title? You know, why mm. why the particular title once storm is over? You know, what happens yeah. when the storm is over? I'm curious. Like, you know, title for your book. Right. I I love this title, and it it comes from a poem from an Asian writer. Um, and uh, he t- he talks in his poem, I and mean, you'll see it if you buy the book. You know, the first thing you're going to see is this poem. And basically, w- I mean, to paraphrase the poem, what he says is the purpose of trials, the purpose of challenge, the purpose of storms that come into our life is to make us a better person. And that we come through the storm, we're going to realize it wasn't about other people. It was all about us. It was all about us learning to evolve and, and us um, being open to change. And that's what the storms are about. And then I, I truly believe that. I truly believe that. I think that, that we are here on the earth to evolve and to grow and to learn. And that's what the storm is all about. So um, for me, when I read that, I, it was just, you know, he, he just put it so perfectly into perspective for me that I just really wanted to use part of that um, beautiful poem that he'd written. Okay. Um so when if when someone gets, you know, a copy of the book, what what do we expect to find in it? I mean, other than, you know, just you know, sharing, you know, your experience, what do we get to what is out of the book in terms of, you know, the heart? Because I did read quite a couple of um reviews and we reviews you know, a lot of people say you're it's inspiring, there's a lot of sincerity, you know, you told you know, what what would the the regular person who never lost a teenage side. Can everybody relate with the book in terms of understanding pain and suffering and guilt and just trying to recover? 
Yeah, I, I don't think this, I mean, certainly this book was written for suicide survivors and for people who um, have tried to commit okay. suicide, you know, and have gotten to the other side of it. Um, mm. Certainly that's what who the book is going to touch. Mm. But, you know, really anybody that's gone through a loss, anybody that, you know, has mm. lost someone dear to them, I think, can really relate to, um, you know, this autobiography. I mean, it, it also includes um, the story of my own um, struggle with depression, and how it was passed down okay. um, in our family line from my, okay. my grandmother, who was actually institutionalized for depression in, in a psychiatric hospital all her life. And then that genetic component, that gene, went to my father, and he had um, uh, bipolar disorder, or what used to be called manic depression. And then um, okay. I inherited that family gene um, of depression and had, had very severe depression for a long time. And then, you know, it was passed down to my daughter. So, you know, when you see something like this in a family, you, you can see um, how genetic uh, mental illness can be. So I do talk about my own struggles um, in the book as well as, you know, how uh, depression affected her and then, you know, the impact that the suicide had on, on me. So it's a very personal book. It's, it's a no I didn't hold anything back in this book. I, I just tried to open my soul and tell it like it is, just as you say. You know, I, I just love the um, title of your show, your radio show, Alex. It's it's wonderful. You know, the naked truth. I just tried to tell it like it is. I tried to tell the naked truth so that people who are suffering, who are survivors, you know, who have gone through loss and are grieving, can say, when they put this book down, I really believe they're going to be able to say, I am not alone. And I am not crazy. Mm. I am not crazy. Mm. And I'm not alone. And I can get through this. This is something that, that I, I will get through. Okay. Um, okay. Because, you, you know, you said something now, and it just made me want to ask, because it must be pretty tough. You know, because, again, on the outside, it's very it's easy to just think that this is some sort of um, condition, health condition, that you can just pop a pill and then you'll feel better, like you just get well. Like This is obviously something that you probably have to leave with forever or for a long time. I mean, it's not it's, it's not like there's a cure. Is there a cure for it? Um, so what are the struggles? What are the struggles that, are, you know, someone who has to deal with depression, what are the struggles that they have to deal on a daily basis? What are the things they have to battle within themselves? You know? Right. Yeah, I love that question. Um so, um, first off, depression, if it's situational, like we were talking about with you, um, if, yeah. it's, if it's situational, circumstantial, or environmental, it's going to go away. You know, you're going to adjust. Mm-hmm. You're going to adjust to the new environment and make the necessary adjustments. And, you know, you're going to begin to feel better and more positive about things. But if it's actually clinical depression, it is a neurological problem that doesn't go away. And for the rest of my life, I'm going to have to take a pill. But the deal is, it's, this is what I tell my clients as I'm coaching them. You know, the first step is the hardest to take. When, when you are depressed or when you're anxious or when you think you might have some kind of um, emotional problem or psychological problem, the very first step is the hardest to take. You know, re- making that initial reaching out to a professional is, is the hardest hardest step you're ever going to have to do but martin luther king jr said this he said um you don't have to see the whole staircase just take the first step 
And I think that's, it could be the hardest to take the first step. And, you know, you may not know what's down the road, but taking that first step can change your life. And so the day that I was willing to admit that there was something wrong, that I wasn't getting over this, and reached out to my doctor, my medical doctor, um, was the day that my life began to turn around. So, but was it difficult to come to that first step? Absolutely it was. And um, so how 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 can we be, like, how can we be best supportive? You know, how can we be, like, a great support system to someone who has to deal, you know, with uh, depression, with chronic depression or manic, you know, chronic depression? How best can we be um, a great support? Because, again, you know, those who, is this something that we can do to be enough, you know, just so that we're able to, um, make them feel okay or make them feel better or just make someone around us feel like, you know, if they ever need to come to us or whatever, what do we need to do to show that, you know, we can give our support to, you know, someone who's going through chronic depression? Right. Well, the first thing I would say is um, if, you, if you're if you suspecting that this person is not pulling out of the psychological issues or emotional issues that they're having, then that might be a time to educate them a little bit and, and you know, just share with them what you've learned here. And that is that there's it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's just a, uh, it's a medical problem, you know. It's not a weakness. It's not um, a character problem. It's actually a brain neurological problem. And there's nothing to be ashamed of uh, in that. Mm. Um I mean, if someone has diabetes we're, we're not go- or some other, you know, chronic illness, we're not going to hold that against them. You know, we're able to, sure. in this, in, you know, with the case of diabetes, let's say, we're able to separate the person from the problem, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the, prob- the, the stigma around mental illness has been so heavy and severe in the past that we're still, you know, we're still dealing with that societally. We're still coming to grips with, okay, this isn't because, you know, the person's just in a bad mood or they're a negative person. It's actually a medical problem. So um, I would say the first thing to do if you're really concerned about someone that you care for is just to educate them and let them know, hey, this is nothing to be, to, to hide. You know, you don't need to hide this. And maybe just taking a pill or going to see a counselor and talking about these issues can alleviate them. You know, there's no reason to, to continue to cause problems in your own life or for yourself or others. So I think education is really important. Um, the second thing I would say is just to normalize the experience. You know, like I'm saying, um, let the person know that you don't think they're weird. You don't think they're off the wall for having mm. these feelings and that you, in fact, have felt down and maybe depressed and hopeless from time to time, too. You know, it's it's a human experience. And to show some compassion that way, um, just sort of normalize the experience for the person so that they're not feeling odd or they're not feeling, um, you know, off the wall. Um, I think that's very important. Hello, Nina. Hello. Okay. Um, well, if you're listening, this is still the Naked Talk with Alex Ecology, and of course, it's um, almost close to the new year. Um, it's simply 51 minutes to, it's just 51 minutes to the new year. And uh, <laughs> before you know it, it's 2015 here in Nigeria. Um, well, I'm sorry about that. You know, the network is a bit crazy. Um, it, everyone's trying to call me. I love 
it was trying to call the loved ones and uh, um, say, you know, Happy New Year and all of that and spend some time. But we're talking, uh, we're, still talking we're still saying here no to grief and hell yeah to recovery. And just before the network went a little bit crazy, um, I was, Nina was saying something, um, you know, she was talking about trying to normalize um, the situation if you're having to deal with someone who's um, experiencing, you know, some sort of chronic um, depression and mental illness. Uh, Nina, are you still there? Hello? Hi, Alex, I'm here. Hello. <laughs> oh, well, you know how it is in online radio. It's crazy. I mean, I'm, I'm hosting a show in Lagos, Nigeria, and my station is in New York, and you're in Oregon. So it's, you know, <laughs> so, uh, but being that it's unscripted and, uh, you know, we're just taking, you know, we're just going with the flow. So anything can happen in the show. So you were saying something about normalizing the situation if you had, if we have someone around us that we care or worry might be caused your um, chronic from depression. Like, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I think that just having compassion, you know, and showing someone compassion and just saying, hey, look, we all get depressed from time to time. We all feel anxious or worried from time to time. It's, you know, um, it's a, it's normal. It's a human experience. And, you know, maybe um, you happen to be experiencing maybe a little over what most people experience, but it's, you know, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Let's just get you to a doctor. So really it's just sort of normalizing it for them and letting them know that you yourself has experienced those moments when you're down and feeling hopeless or helpless. Um, it's a very common human experience. I think the third thing I would say also, lastly, is um, always, always, if you think someone might be suicidal, if you think someone might be so depressed that they're considering taking their lives or they've said something to you, you know, in passing, um, even if it kind of seems like a joke when, when they're talking about it, usually if a person is going to say to you, you know, I'd be better off dead or, you know, make some kind of a statement like that about not wanting to live, they're usually pretty serious about it. You know, they may be kind of smiling and joking on the outside, but on the inside, they may actually be considering this as an option. So at that point, you know, I just want to encourage um, everybody to take it seriously and, you know, just say, hey, you know, that's not something that you have to resort to. And, you know, let's go see your doctor. Let's see what can be done about this. And, and you know, accompany them to the doctor. Ask if you can give them a ride, you know. Um, sometimes we have to do for other people what they can't do for themselves. And so sometimes that's going to be meaning stepping up as a friend or stepping up as a family member and getting them there. Okay. Um, well, let's um, let's take a quick commercial break, and uh, you know we'll be back to talk some more. So, QTAB Events, your one-stop shop for A-class events and entertainment, international audit management and promotion, logistics management, project management, and brand enhancement with affiliates across South Africa, UK, Benin Republic. Togo, Ghana, Ivory Coast, Burkina Faso, and Cameroon? Won't you rather let our dynamic team treat you like the respectable client that you are? Take it away, the stress from your business.
If you've been listening, we've been, you know, having an amazing conversation uh, about, you know, just grief and suicide and depression. And I've been talking to the amazing Nina Bingham about, um, you know, her experience. She's been sharing with us on the show about her experience and also, um, you know, talking about her book and, you know, just all of the content stuff that's in her book and, you know, how we can benefit from from, from that. Uh Anina, hello. Hi, Alex. I'm hello, here. Anina. Hi. Okay, okay, fine. Okay, you know, let's deviate a little bit away from, you know, just uh, let's talk about something a little happy. Um, I know you have other books, you know, that you're reading, um, um, but you seem to be like, a big, you know, a big fan of poetry uh, because yeah. you wrote two books, so you're already, you already reading two books of poetry, Adam. What exactly? Why? What exactly? Um, and from you know, why did you write those books? And how did you feel? Has, has poetry affected your just how you're able to deal with your everyday? Because I'm 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 interested. I'm curious as to why poetry? Why that particular um, um, genre? I mean, why did you write? Why why poetry? What has poetry done for you in terms of having to um, leave with the condition that you have and Right. Well, uh, most people uh, don't know that I've written uh, three books of modern poetry, and uh, um, you can find them on on Amazon. Um, But uh, for me, I I wrote three books because it was kind of a a three-decade-long project where I wrote, you know, a ton of poems. um, And for me, poetry is really fantastic. I mean, I I still write a lot of poetry. Um, There may be some, some you know, other books coming out, but um, for me, it's it's artistic. It's, you know, writing for me has been my artistic um, expression, and so especially poetry. Poetry is just, um, it's kind of like, you know, making a little mini painting, you know, when you come up mm-hmm. with a poem, and, and I'm sure most people have written a poem, you know, in their lives, mm-hmm. or, or read a poem, and, you know, it's just sort of like a little piece of life in in a snapshot is really what what poetry is, and it's sort of capturing a mood or capturing um, what you're going through at the time on paper, so that you mm-hmm. can share it with others. You know, um, so poetry for me has been a method of self-expression that's been a really really positive, mm-hmm. and um, uh, yeah, it has been fun sharing it with people. Okay. Um, and I also know that you know you're you're gonna be starting uh, a radio show. You're gonna be hosting yeah. um, uh, a free coaching show, a free coaching radio show. Um, uh-huh. What exactly? What's, what exactly is that gonna be like? Are we gonna be able to call you and share? I mean, what is what what exactly is your show about? 
the radio show. Right. Well, it's going to be the second Monday of every month at, uh, well, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in the United States. But um, it's a call-in show, just like your show is, and we're calling it the Living Enlightened Show. And so I'm a life coach, and basically people are going to be able to call in with their most pressing problems and hopefully, you know, between the two of us collaborating, we can come up with some uh, practical answers for their problems. And so, and each time I'm going to have a topic, um, you know, for my January, the second Monday in January, I'm going to be talking about a new year, a new you, and how to sort of let go of anything that's not serving us this year. Um, let go of the old baggage. And, you know, just as you said, you know, I, I love the, mm. it's such a fun show title that you came up with, Alex. No to grief, yes to, re- hell yes <laughs> to recovery. And it's like, I really want my first show in January to be about leaving behind the baggage that we really don't need and um, recovering from whatever it is that we've been, you know, struggling with. So I'm hoping that, that people will, will call in with their problems. So that's what that's about. Okay. Um, I remember you. We, you know, we did talk about this ten point. You know, wait. There's this ten point um, um, nuggets. You know, basically about how to just the steps. Like, I mean, do you have like a step by step, step by step advice? Like, you know, step by step direction. Sorry, on how to go through grief to get to getting recovered. You know, from all of this, because you have like, you know, what are the first things we need to deal with? So the second thing to the third thing till we get to the point where we're feeling comfortable, like, okay, you know what? I think I'm getting a bit better or I'm feeling better. Um, yeah. Well, I wish there Hello. was, I wish there was a formula to give you, Alex, <laughs> you yeah. know, and when I was in college, of course I studied grief recovery and um, I studied trauma recovery and you know in our textbooks we were taught that there's really um a five step process uh that we were taught you may have heard of this or your listeners heard it was called um uh it was a five step process of recovering from grief and you know i was taught in school that you go through these linear steps and you know you work your way from a to z in these steps but unfortunately you know what i've really found uh, you know of course book learning is different from experience right um, it can be very different. And so in real life, what I found is that it's not linear. I, I found that grief can be really messy, you know, just as life can be really messy. And it, unfortunately, it doesn't follow predictable patterns. I mean, you know, what I learned in school was first, you know, we're in denial uh, about what's happened. So in other words, maybe I would be in denial that, you know, that my daughter's gone and not really want to have to look at that or talk about that. And then, you know, the second would be anger. You know, I'd feel maybe anger towards her. I'd feel internalized anger. I would feel blame and shame and angry at myself. Um, The third step we were told was bargaining. So maybe I would bargain with God, you know, look, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll do this if you do this. Um, Or bargain with other people or bargain with our addictions you know, to get over, to try to cope. Um, And then the last step we were told is acceptance, okay? And then that kind of evolved, and then they they kind of threw in depression in there a a few years later so that, you know, they're acknowledging now in the textbooks that we also go through depression when we go through grief. But frankly, what I've experienced is that these steps, the denial, the anger, the bargaining, the depression, and, and then finally coming to acceptance, 
is not linear. Um, and, and grief is messy. I mean, there are times when you're when you're going to be in denial, and then you're going to jump to anger, and then you're going to jump to depression, and you're going to jump back to denial again. Um, so, unfortunately, there's no real formula. Um, what I can suggest is that you try to be as compassionate with yourself as you would be with someone else, else who is is surviving grief. And that can be really hard. You know, I think it's easier to be compassionate with other people um, sometimes than it is with ourselves. But I think when you're working through grief, it's really important to recognize that you're going to have moments where, um, you know, it's messy and, you know, it's not going to follow any pattern and you're not even going to be able to understand what's happening to you. And sometimes you're going to feel like you're going crazy. I mean, I remember that was a very real feeling for me. Like I didn't know. I was in so much pain. I didn't know if I could hang on, you know, to my sanity. And so, you know, I think grief is kind of complicated. But, but you know, the textbooks would like to sort of make it seem that it's linear. Um, you know, I was trying, you know, trying to go through like, you know, the slide and, you know, we yeah, I've noticed something at the ten points like you know that you know that we exchanged and um, there's something about after death contact and I was really yeah. trying to understand you know like mm-hmm. yes like what about that you know was is there yeah. or was there an after death contact? Yeah, uh, there was, and and this is in the all in the book, but I do believe in life after death. Uh, I do believe now in after death visitations. Um, I've always been a skeptic about things like this because, you know, being in college, if you go to college, you know, they train you, of course, um, to to think critically and to think scientifically. And if you can't prove it, then it's not real. And so I've always been a skeptic. But now today, I think after my um, experiences, I would I consider myself an open-minded skeptic. So I did receive after-death visitations, what I believe, uh, from my daughter right after the one-year anniversary of her death. And, um, you know, before you change the channel on me, I, I, um, you know, I want you to know it wasn't like I was just hysterical with grief. Um, At the time, my fiancé also witnessed these paranormal activities, and she could tell you that they were real. Um, So I I can share a little bit about that if you'd like. It's, It's interesting. I'd like to hear about it. I mean, this is the next book, so, hey. Yeah. Well, okay, so um, what happened first was my sister had made a memorial tree for my daughter, and it it sits in my living room, always reminding me of of Mariah. And just after the one-year anniversary of her death, I woke up. um, It was really weird because at the one-year anniversary, I figured if anything was going to happen – because I just hadn't felt like I had any contact with her. It was almost like she just really, her spirit just disappeared. And I didn't know if I would ever hear from her again. Um, and so at the one-year anniversary of her death, I was hoping, you know, Alex, that something would happen. And nothing happened. And then three days, just three days after that anniversary of her death, I woke up at about 3 o'clock in the morning, and I, I don't know why I woke up. Um, and I heard a crash in my living room. It was really loud, loud enough to wake me up. And the dog was sleeping right beside me, you know, and he jumped out of bed and started barking. Um, 
But for some reason, I, I can't explain. I just kind of turned over and went back to sleep, which which is really not like me. <laughs> Normally, I would have gotten up to see what was this crash. But in the morning, I remembered that I heard this crash, and you know, I, I went in and I, I told my fiance about it, and her eyes got really wide, and she said. She said, you're not going to believe this. She said, Mariah's memorial tree got knocked over in the middle of the night. She said, it was laying on the ground when I got up this morning. And we both thought that was really strange um, because it's, you know, it was sort of wedged in a corner. um, And in the year we'd had it, it had never fallen down. Um, And so later that afternoon... Yeah, that was kind of strange. So later that afternoon, we were discussing about, you know, how could this tree could have fallen over by itself. Um, And as we were talking about it, the TV turned on all by itself. Um, The sound didn't come on, which is very strange. And this is a brand new TV. But just the TV picture turned on. And we just kind of looked at each other. And the the controller was sitting on the table between us. And I kind of got spooked, you know. And so I just said, I just said, I'm going to go to my study, you know, and I could hear the TV then as I turned to leave. I could hear the TV turn way up really loud in the living room. Oh, wow. Um, and, yeah, and so I ran back, and my fiancé it was deaf, so, um, you know, she doesn't need the sound on the TV, and it, it had turned up by itself. And the TV's blaring, and so I turned it down, and... I said, you know, I'm just going to go out for a walk. I'm going, to, I'm going to clear my head. I took the dog out for a walk. And while I was out, I just kind of said to the universe, you know, maybe it was a prayer. And, and I just said, okay, Mariah, if this is you trying to make contact with me, I want you to make the TV turn off. I just want you to turn off the TV, and then I'll know that it's you. I'll know you're trying to reach me. And... So I, I just did my little walk, and, and I got back to the house, and my fiancé said, the TV turned off by itself while you were gone. Oh, wow. And so at that point, Alex, I started to kind of believe that maybe my daughter was trying to get my attention for some reason. And mm-hmm. other unexplained contacts started happening, and, and I you know, include all of them in the book. and um, But the reason I, I believe that she was trying to make contact with me, I think, is important. I mean, you know, it's kind of sensational to kind of hear the story, but what, what I believe is important is that she was trying to get a message across to me because I believe that we had unfinished mm. business, unfinished business. Mm. And I believe that she wanted me simply to forgive myself. I don't think that she meant to scare me, you know. I I just think that her spirit needed me to forgive myself so that she could be at peace. And, you know, if if you've had an after-death contact, which research shows that about 50 million people worldwide believe they've been a recipient of an after-death contact, Uh, Mm. you know, because they feel that a loved one had tried to communicate with him. Um, and for me, the conclusion I came to was that she simply wanted me to live free of guilt and to live joyfully again. Oh, 
Okay. Um, I think you know it's. I don't. I don't really think it's weird. Let me say this because um, when my I don't want to say that it's anything really you know similar or spooky in any way, but I remember um one time we'd lost um um a nanny. We used to have a housekeeper, but she was pretty much like part of the family, you know, because she had all her kids, you know, my family house and um. She died. She was ill, and she actually died. My mom actually took her to the And I remember for a couple of months, I used to feel like she was present. I could feel her presence. I mean, we loved her so much. She was like a second mother to me. So, um, and to all of us, you know, she was like my mom's sister. She was part of the family. And for a while, I used to feel like she was around. Like, you know, like I used to feel like she was there or something. And I think there are quite a number of people who probably can relate with that. Same thing happened, you know, when my mom lost her brother. She used to we had brother in her dream. Like, she used to feel like her brother wanted to communicate, you know, to her or say, you know, don't eat this or eat that or, you know, don't eat this. You know, like, she always felt like he was coming to her rescue, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, mm-hmm. Sometimes it, it seems like, you know, we're being superstitious or something or, um, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I do believe that, you know, like you said, you know, um, she probably just wanted to give you a message and just make you feel like you really needed to just forgive yourself. And um, yeah. so, uh, well, Let's take a quick. Uh, I know. I know. We still have um, a couple of. You know. We still have a few. You know. A few more minutes, and then we'll wrap the show. Um, like I said, it's almost uh, midnight here in Nigeria, and it's going to be between the fifteen. Um, but let's take a quick. Uh, a quick break, and then we'll. You know. We'll be back. your own specially autographed copy of The Naked Experience by Alex Okoroji, from timid girl to confident woman. It will make you laugh, it will make you cry, it will make you cuss, but most of all, it will be a great resource for you and your loved ones. Log on to www.alexokoroji.net to reserve your copy and win two VIP tickets to the book tour and match. member of Alex's blog community, ABC, then what are you waiting for? Join now to receive updates and all activities on Alexander and her naked thoughts at www.alexokoroji.net to contribute, interact with other interesting ABC users, and win special giveaways. member of Alex's blog community, ABC, then what are you waiting for? Join now to receive updates and all activities on Alexander and her naked thoughts at www.alexokoroji.net to contribute, interact with other interesting ABC users, and win special giveaways. Okay, we're back. This is still the Naked Talk with Alex Okoji. And, uh, oh, we've had pretty interesting conversation. I've had a pretty interesting conversation with, you know, with Nina B. And if you've been listening, um, I'm sure that, you know, you've probably learned 
a lot from, you know, I personally have learned a lot, actually, because, you know, I used to think, you know, I remember there was this, um, uh, what was it called? There was this story about me in the media, you know, something about me dealing with depression, <laughs> you know, but um, like I said, you know, I, I just realized, you know, the difference between the situational depression and chronic depression and how it's normal uh, or how it's not, you know, it's not uh, something that we need to be stigmatized and how this is um, a neuro, you know, mental issue and how we can also be a support to those who are um, experiencing such distress and how we also can, you know, tap into the the grief that we've experienced and find a way to just get some joy from it. And she's been very amazing on the show. It's been, if you're still listening to the show, um, like I said, you can call in or um, send your tweets to um, tweets at Alex Okoji and hashtag The Naked Talk. And, of course, if you missed a live show or you know anyone who misses the live show, you can always, you know, come back to the radio channel and listen to the archived show or um, listen to the podcast on my blog at net, or, you know, on Stitcher and iTunes, you know, you can still listen to the show and let someone else, you know, someone you know who de- who definitely needs, you know, some of the wisdom that has been shared on the show today um, with uh, with Nina. Um, Nina, are you still there? Hi, Alex, me? I'm still with you. Okay, fine. Um, I am... Um, I, I I was I was I was going to ask um I was going to ask you this um with the, what exact like I know that I know that they have like quite a number of um different uh, projects and awareness you know like there's a lot of aware I I noticed I mean they have a, ment- a mental health week I think it's a celebration of something mental health week and all sorts of things but let me ask you are you involved in anything that sort of brings awareness or support to, um, you know, other people with people with, you know, depression or mental health, you know, mental health uh, um, issues. Uh, are there anything, are there things that you're involved in or that we can be, in, other people can be involved in to support those who have, you know, mental health disorders? Okay, I think that's, that's the right word, mental health disorders. Are you involved in any projects or anything, you know, any social awareness? Or what is it that we can do to bring more, awareness, you know, to people understanding that, you know, they need to, they need not, sorry, stigmatize, and they need to understand and learn a little bit more about, um, you know, just what the condition is about. Right. Well, no, I'm not, um, I'm not formally a suicide advocate for any organization right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not to say okay. I won't be in the future, but there, there are some mm-hmm. really um, wonderful resources online. So, if your listeners have um, access to the web, um, there mm-hmm. is one that I think is just fabulous that can educate you on on all kinds of topics, but especially suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, www. A is an mm-hmm. apple, F is in Frank, S is in Sam, P is in Paul. dot com. A F S p.com and um okay. this is an american organization but it, they just have tremendous amount of, of fabulous education and research um on there and as well as you know what to look for um if you're if you're concerned that someone you know um might need help um you know i i do want to review uh, rewind though alex is something that you said mm. uh, or asked me mm. about and um mm. You know, you said, how is it that you tell the difference between somebody who has like a low-grade 
more circumstantial depression and someone who has more serious uh, clinical depression. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to rewind to that because I don't think I was clear enough and just Mm. um, clarify that. So here's the answer is you have to ask yourself, you know, and if it's yourself, you'd want to ask yourself, are my symptoms interfering significantly with my life? In other words, Mm. have my symptoms caused significant problems for me? You know, and if you could answer yes to that question, if your symptoms are sabotaging you, then it's time to talk to a doctor about what your options are. Um, so I just wanted to make that really, really clear. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. That that makes quite a lot of sense. I was- you this what do they what do they do like how do you feel when you take them what do they help to make your mood better change or is this something that is this something that they suppress or how does it work like you know how what does it right. how does it help to make you know someone feel better right well number one it's it's good to know important to know that a, a large number of americans I, I don't know in your country but in our country mm-hmm. are taking medication um mm-hmm. psychotropics mm-hmm. so you know, and we've understand now science has proven that it's a, a brain problem. And so, you know, as we were saying, you can feel less embarrassed about that. Um, but it's important you don't ignore or deny, you know, what's going on. And, um, you know, neuroscience, neuroscientists tell us that it's simply a chemical imbalance in the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, nerve cells uh, or what's called neurons or brain cells specialized cells in the brain are called neurons or nerve cells and they communicate to one another yeah and the way they communicate is through something called neurotransmitters okay and neurotransmitters are simil- simply chemicals okay so they kind of shoot a chemical from from uh, through an axiom from one nerve cell to another okay and that's how our brain communicates one cell to another what happens when someone has a mental disorder is those cells are misfiring simply okay they're not firing correctly mm-hmm. either they're overstimulated mm-hmm. or they're understimulated okay either they're producing mm-hmm. too much of a chemical or not enough and so you know pharmaceutical companies have you know jumped on the bandwagon thank god in in you know modern medicine now we have um very good uh very wonderful uh psychopharmaceuticals to treat most um you know, uh, mental disorders. So it's a, it's a medical problem. It's a brain problem, as we were saying. Okay. Um, I, I was I, I, I was going to say this because, you know, listening to what you're saying, it's kind of true because even here, I don't know if a lot of people are, I'm sure that, you know, quite a number of people probably have this imbalance here in my country or, you know, even in Africa, but I don't know that they're being diagnosed. I don't know if they're actually seeing someone, you know, to actually tell them that this, you know, this is a clinical condition. You know, you have, um, you're, you're, you're facing uh, chronic depression and blah, blah, blah. I think people just feel frustrated, you know, you know, not knowing what to do and just, you know, just, you know, take their own. I don't really think that there are that many people actually being diagnosed, like they understand what their condition really is. So I think this is really important and actually a great show because um, if anyone is listening here, I mean, especially in my country, Africa, I think that they're probably learning a whole lot more. Maybe even finding out that they have like signs 
but their symptoms are things that they're expressing or somebody close to them are expressing so that they can actually see someone, you know, see, um, sorry, a doctor or see, you know, um, I know we're going to be bringing the show to a close very soon, um, but I've had like an amazing, oh, it's been amazing just talking to you because I've learned quite a bit as well, you know, because I wasn't able to tell the difference between your situation or this other, or your mental health, but also again, you know, like I said, it probably make, you know, it would make me more aware, you know, just now I have to pay, you know, a whole lot more attention to the people around me and just seeing if anybody needs help because, the truth mm-hmm. is, you know, you never really know what people are going through, you know, what they're having to deal with. They may not even understand what they're going through as well. It's, then especially with kids. I mean, if you're talking about a teenager who probably mm-hmm. doesn't know, understand, you know, the things that are happening with them. So um, before we bring the, you know, the show to a close, is there any, um, let me ask you, you know, where can we find the book? I mean, online. I mean, there must be a site somewhere we can find uh, once the stomach over. Right. Okay. Hello? So let me sh- yeah. share those um, those okay. uh, yeah, sites with you. Um, yeah. So you can find the book in February. Uh, it goes on sale, and um, you can find it online at, at www.amazon.com, amazon.com, or you can go to the book website, and you'll get to see a, a trail book trailer on there about the book, and it's www.oncethestormisover.com. Um, And then I'd also like to invite your listeners to check out my grief recovery blog, um, and that is found at www.ninabingham.blogspot.com. Yes, okay. Yes, Nina Bingham, the blogs. But I actually visited it. I told you that I liked quite a number. I actually read quite a bit of your post (laughs) overnight and just, you know, I thought, you know, you know, actually very interesting writer and I could relate with it. You know, I, I understand, you know, we talk about just being real and um, accepting who you are and just being open and just having to uh, forgive yourself and guilt, forgive your guilt or forgive yourself, sorry, and get over the guilt that you found. And it's been an interesting um, New Year's Eve show show it's almost you know i i was i'm i was really hoping to stay you know all the way to to the very end and just wish but i i also realized that i need to go you know say um do quite a number of um celebrations as well you know when but um let me ask you this let me talk about let me talk about your partner for you know just for a little while um um having to deal with um how she being supportive in terms of, you know, um, how understanding or how supportive has she been in terms of just the pain, the grief that you're going? Has she been, you know, what role has she had to play? Sorry, she had to play um, in terms of having helping you deal or yeah. go through this journey, so to speak. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I think those, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, siblings uh, often aren't, you know, people don't think about siblings when there's a suicide and, and how it impacts them. Um, and, you know, I think that the partners of parents uh, are, aren't thought of, you know. But the fact is, um, you know, it, it it seriously impacted her because it, it was traumatic, you know, um, even though she you know, wasn't the natural mother, she certainly had a strong relationship with my daughter. And so it was very traumatic for her. Um, you know, I think suicide is, and I talk about this very openly in the book, suicide is extremely hard on relationships. Um, Alex, if you look at the research 
on relationships, you find that most relationships that go through a suicide actually, you know, over time wind up disintegrating. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just a very, very difficult kind of trauma to work through and and to get over. Um, So, you know, it, it very dramatically impacts everyone that it touches. I, the reason I ask that is because, I mean, I know when someone is going through grief and they're mourning, um, most times, um, you know, the partner probably feels left out or feels ignored or, you know, I, you know, I just wanted to understand, you know, how, you know, what role she had to play and how, you know, she felt about this and all of that. But yeah. it's been an interesting, really interesting show. And I'm hoping you can come again, you know, sometime on the show as well. You know, maybe for something else, we can talk about something more fun, something more, you know, interesting. Um, but um, like I said, I mean, if you're listening, if you're still listening to this show, um, it's still The Naked Talk with Alex. And uh, we're about to bring the, you know, the show to a close. Um, but if you ever need to talk to, you know, if you need to, like she said, you know, she's going to be, you can call into her show, um, childview.net. Am I right? www.childview.net, uh, right? Actually, no, it's um, it's Charlotte no. View. Charlotte, yeah, charlotteview.net. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yes. Yeah, okay, fine. So, um, so you can always, or, you know, just, you know, find a way to um, reach Nina. She's on Twitter. She's on Facebook. She's on Google Plus. Just go to her her blog, and um, I'm sure you can connect with her right there and share whatever you have to share um, as regards you know, having to deal with grief or you know talk about your pain and just learning how to um, recover your life uh, back. Um, it's almost yeah. It's you know it's almost New Year here in Nigeria, and I just wanted to say thank you very much, Nina, for coming. You know, for being on the show, um, I'm so I feel very privileged and honored to, you know, to be able to spend some of your time, take some of your time. I know you still have a couple of hours with New Year there, yeah, but uh, you know, we're much closer. I, I can say Happy New Year to you, right? <laughs> yeah, Happy New Year, Alice. It, it's been a real a privilege for me and, and a pleasure. And I just want to say Happy New Year's to your listeners, and I I wish you and them health and prosperity and much happiness and i wish you the same too i wish you the same thing. i hope we'll keep in touch though because you know i really enjoy you know just you know our interaction and our conversation offline you know um so um thank you very much for being on the show and uh you know let's just take this quick break and uh we'll be back You're listening to the Naked Talk with Alex Okorji. You're listening to the Naked Talk. It's so uncensored. She keeps it real. She keeps it straight. She tells it like it is no matter who's afraid to bear. <laughs> You're listening to the Naked Talk with Alex Okorji. QTAB Events, your one-stop shop for A-class events and entertainment, international artist management and promotion, logistics management, project management, and brand enhancement. With affiliates across South Africa, 
UK, Benin Republic, Togo, Ghana, Ivory Coast, Burkina Faso, and Cameroon. Won't you rather let our dynamic team treat you like the respectable clients that you are, taking away the stress from your business? www.alexokoroji.net to reserve your copy and win two VIP tickets to the book tour and match. Okay, we're back. Um, this is, you know, the Naked Talk with Alex Okoroji. It's been amazing. Ah, an hour and, oh my God, almost two hours of just, uh, I think an hour. What's an hour and ten, you know, one hundred and what one ten minutes into Nina and trying to get into her mind and understand, you know, all of the things that have been happening and and her book and all of that. Uh, first, it's been amazing. Uh, let's talk about week. You know, tune in same time. You know, next week or ten p.m. You know, ten p.m. Uh, West African time, eleven p.m. Central African time, one. PM Pacific Standard Time, Eastern Standard Time. You know, we're still going to make a talk with Alex Okurji, and we're going to be talking about more stuff. You know, it's a show where, you know, we're filtered, it's uncensored, it's a caught, and we talk about everything, um, you know, the, the things that, you know, people don't want to talk about. You know, basically try to chronicle, you know, real-life experiences. So, um, Nina, I know I'm about to let you go. I just wanted to say thank you. Hello, are you there? Hi, Alex. I'm still Hello, here. Nina. I'm here. Okay, I was just gonna, you know, just say, I was just gonna say, my, you know, I was just gonna say my final thank you, say my final goodbye to you. Um, I I know how you're, and I'm hoping that a lot of people, you know, would you know basically learn quite a bit, you know, from the things that you've shared with us. And I'm hoping that you can still come back on the show again. Remember when we were talking about something fun some other time, you know? Uh, so uh, thank you very much for being on the show. This has been a real privilege. Um, I feel so honored, and um, I really value. Um, the things that you shared with us, and maybe, maybe, yeah, back to you know, maybe we could do something, you know, do something. Remember my the I called on the show, John and Gemma, the filmmaker. You know, we talked about you. I thought we talked about <laughs> offline, but it was nice having you on the show, and um, I I wish you your you know full recovery, and I pray that, you know you're you're happy, and um, you know, 2015, you know, is a great year for you and for everyone else who you know who's listening. Show. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Alex. It's been a real pleasure. And um, just as you said, let's say no to holding on to grief in 2015 and say hell yeah to recovery. So happy new start, Nigeria, and to yeah, all of us. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so, thank you so much. 
Uh, if you're still listening, guys, hey, you know what? We've had a fun show. And uh, let's talk about next week, you know, we're still going to have fun. I mean, if you missed part one of uh, my my interesting conversation with Mahida, then you can answer too, you know, practice happening next week and we can still talk about your sex. <laughs> I think there's some crazy people who want to talk about sex. Well, we're, we're talking about our sex toys in. So stay tuned, you know, to stay tuned to the Make It Talk for next week and it's going to be a pretty, a pretty unfiltered showdown. And you know Mahida, she never keeps anything sensitive. She just tells it like it is. So um, it's been an amazing show and I'm so glad that I spent my Final, final two hours of 2014, you know, just trying to do this. Um, let's do this again next week. Um, if you, um, if you know, if you make sure you follow the channel and encourage other people to follow um, this channel, www.blogtalkradio.com slash talk. Um, follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, we're on Google Plus, we're everywhere. <laughs> and, um, yeah, um, make sure, like, you know, if you miss, like I said, if you miss the show or if you know anyone, who who needs to listen to the show? Um, just make sure that uh, they can come back and listen to the podcast. Plus, the podcast is available on my blog at www.alexapergy.net. Uh, um, just click on the Naked Talk. Um, you can find or my ABC community, Alexa's blog community forum. Yes, you can um, catch the podcast here. Uh, my conversation and share it with those you love or even like a lot. Don't forget, um, it's okay for you to be who you really are. Expression is a sign of strength, not weakness. So feel free to be who you really are. Um, have a fantastic 2016. And um, I love you for listening. You're listening to The Naked Talk with Alex Okorosu. Talk with Alex Okorosu.